Hi, this is Ken Doherty and you're listening to Red Devil Talk, the podcast with Jimmy Williams. Red Devil Talk is the latest Manchester United fan site with authentic write-ups on all things United, as well as interviews with former players. In addition, Red Devil Talk examines the growing concept of sports psychology in the modern game. How are things, Jules? How are you, mate? All right. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, fine, mate. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. That's no problem. Where are you based? I'm in Ireland. Yeah, where am I? Uh, Tipperary. Oh, Tipperary. Right, okay. You know, I've got a load of Irish, mate. So I was brought up with the Irish, being Catholic and that. Where are your mates based? Um, County Mayo. Yeah, no, it could be, but I've, no, like, I've been a Catholic school, it's for the Italians and Irish. A good football in County Emile. Is it? Oh, is it? What, the Irish, what, what football's that? Uh, it's Gaelic football. Yeah, no, because there's a pub here called the Rathmore, and I'm, we lived next door to this family since we were about three, and we still know them now. And there's a, there's a team from Cambridge, what goes over there, and I think they, they were the champions or something, they, there's, there's a load of Irish young lads here who play it, and they're supposed to be really good at it. Cool. I'd like to start with your childhood, Jules, if that's okay with you. Fine, mate, far away. So tell me, tell our readers, how did you start playing football as a young child? As a young child, like most like most kids, obviously, your dad, your dad, like my dad loved football and played football as a kid, kicked the ball about with my dad, then I've got an older brother who's two years old, older than me, Salvatore, and... We just basically grew up with um, a ball under our arm, like most kids, to be honest, Jimmy. And who was your sporting influences growing up? My sporting influences was like the, the Italian teams, like um, when Italy won the World Cup in 82 and I was 13, and like the old, and that era of the Juventus team as well. I never, never, never really supported a team. Like, I used to like, keep my eye on, on Avellino, because that's where my parents were from in Italy, and... Basically, any any Italian club who were who were in the well the old European Cup, well, I used to follow them, and obviously Italy in the World Cup, but not really supported a, a team as such. Your Man United story, if you don't mind me saying, is a remarkable one. Correct me if any of my information is wrong, but you worked in a bakery in Cambridge in 1987. No, sorry, it means, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's on that's yes on Wikipedia. They've got that wrong. My daughter's tried changing that so many times, and for some reason, they get to keep going back to the bank. No, what I was, I was working in an Italian boutique shop called Julio's. I don't know how where they got the bakery from. Okay. Yeah, so I worked in an Italian um, clothes shop. Sorry for interrupting there, mate. No problem. Tell us what happened in November 1988. You know, you came along. That's right, yeah. Because I, 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 the, I, I wasn't even playing Saturday football until I was about 17, 17 and a half or something. I wasn't interested in playing Saturday football. And we played um, a five-a-side, me and my brother and a few, few other Italian lads played in this five-a-side and we had a decent team. And like the manager of Hisp and Alan Doyle at the time, he, he said, went to a friend of ours we were playing with and he said, who are them two lads there? Put to me and my brother. And he got, I come over and he's asked us to go over to Histon that because that was at the end of the season pre-season 87 and 88 played a season in the reserves and then I played off I always thought I'd played about 30-35 games for the first team but I got that wrong it was about 17 games for Histon's first team and then I heard about United and the rest is history mate and who got in touch with you? what happened was we were playing playing a team called Wisbeach I think and um, 
after the game, the, it was a Wednesday night after the game, the chairman of Easton said to me, there's a United um, scout watching me. And I just thought, to be honest, I thought it was bullshit, you know. And then, um, then I got told on the Saturday that they wanted me to go up there for a week's trial. And then I, was, I remember thinking, I hope, I hope it's going to be in about three or four weeks because obviously going to the 19-year-old game in Man United, I've been at Cambridge United before and a couple of three times they said I wasn't good enough. I didn't think I had a chance in Elta for United. So I mean, anyway, so I was hoping three or four weeks' time. But then on the Sunday, I got a phone call saying, right, Joel, by the Houston manager, we're going up tomorrow. On the Tuesday, I played in Ian Andy's Tides charity game and they brought me off at half-time and signed me then. So it took six days for me to here in United right after me to them signing me so I've always said it a roller coaster right Jimmy ridiculous I've, when I gave up I, I brushed it all under the carpet because I, I didn't want anything to do with football but now I talk more about football I do look back and it is some story if I have to say it myself yeah yeah it's remarkable since six weeks down the line I was playing I was playing for the first team and I was used to playing in front of 50-60 people at, at Histon and then six weeks down the line, I was playing in front of 30, 35,000 people. What was your first impression of Sir Alex? He, he, seemed, he seemed all right at first, but then we didn't, we didn't see eye to eye in the end. But um, that's life, isn't it? Your face has got to fit. What happened between yourself and Ferguson that you didn't see eye to eye? Was there one moment that you can pinpoint? Thing, Jimmy, my, my idols with, with the Italian players, with long, not long, I didn't even have long hair, to be fair, longish hair, and a, and a, and a bit of a stubble, and um, he didn't he didn't like that. And when I left, he signed Bobowski. And would he have any contact nowadays? Sorry, mate. Would he have any contact since he left the club? No, no. Last, I went to my, my Ray Medwell. He was my scout. The scout who got me to United. He, he passed away sadly about six, seven years ago. And Ferguson was there. And to be fair to me, went out of his way to come over and say hello to me. To, to be fair to him, had a little chat for a few minutes. Let's jump to your debut, 1989, is that correct, against Millwall? That's right, yeah. I think I think that, that's genuine. <laughs> I didn't know any of the dates until people have always reminded me, but apparently, I think it was January the 14th. I know it was 89, so January the 14th, so nearly, nearly 30 years ago. What are your memories of that day? My memories of that day, can't really remember that much about because I was in the haze. What I do remember is running on the pitch. and because I had the ball, I can't even remember what I did with the ball. And I was running down the wing, and then obviously I was breathing heavily. And like I've said this story a good few times, but my ears were blocking and unblocking. All I could hear fading in and out of my ears was United, United. And I remember, I remember just doing a three sixty and looking at all the people at the game, and it's ridiculous. Obviously, coming through as a young man at a big club like United at the time, is there there must be massive expectation from the fans, which must bring a pressure in itself. How did you deal with that pressure? That's it. I must have been one. I must have been lucky, Jimmy, because like it didn't. As mad as it may sound, it, it didn't affect me, mate. But obviously, like for instance, I remember when, when Ferguson read the, the, the. I remember when Ferguson read the, the the team sheet against Arsenal, which was live on ITV, and he said number eleven, and he said my name. I was starting. Obviously, then. Really, really nervous. Like I remember against Mill Wars, really, really nervous. But once you get on the pitch, it's, you're there. You're there to play football, and it never. I don't know why. It never really affected me. 
even although although the big step up that I did take from the Dukes and League with Eastern to United, I don't know. I don't, maybe I was one of I was lucky where I didn't really suffer from nerves. I guess as a young man, you're probably fearless. You just take it or try it. I'd imagine to a certain yeah, extent. You imagine that. Yeah, like I say, I can't really explain it, but that, that, that's how I felt. That's how I felt. Like some, some, the thing is, some some players have played in, in the reserves. They used to do in, in training. They used to do really, really well. Do all these these skills. And I remember saying to one of them, "I'm not even the bomb coming coming to say brilliant to you when we train. I, I want you to do that in a game." But some of them didn't do it. I don't know whether, whether the thing is the thing is I was, I hadn't been moulded into being a footballer. All the other lads had. They'd been at the school of excellence since they were fourteen, fifteen. Been at the club of schoolboys and apprentices, and I just got plucked from from nowhere to to United. So maybe that's why I don't know. Is that kind of what you mean when you mention Ferguson and the facial hair? When you say he tried to change you into something you weren't, you mentioned the word yeah, mold. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, Jimmy, my, my outlook on things is if you're good enough, you ain't got to lick ass. And I thought that, but then I got injured and it was game over. Maybe I should have done things different, but I've got no regrets. You can't live live life looking back when, when you can't change things. No, you certainly I went can't. Through enough, I went through enough shit when I, to, when I had to retire, so... That's 25 years down the line, 26 years down the line. we we'll move to that shortly, if that's okay with you. Um, I've been lucky enough to speak to a couple of former United players, and I read autobiographies, and they say yeah. that the 1980s, the 1990s, particularly for younger players, uh, the treatment from the senior players is much harsher. Would that reflect your experience? The thing is, because, because like I said, I was, I was 19 at the time, the, the, the young old ones used to do things to the younger ones, but I never used to get involved. I remember being in Diggs, and I, when I first moved up there, I was in Diggs. I, I lived there, like, it was, um, it was two 70 detached houses, like, smashed into one big house. And there was 12 of us in there, and I was the oldest one there, and they used to play their little games. And, Lovely lads, really good lads, really good lads, and like they used to play their games, but I never used to get involved. I used to just, I used to just say, "Can listen, leave it out." And they, they used to listen to me, so I never really got involved in that. I'm going to jump to 1993 now, a moment which probably changed your life, if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah. The knee injury. Did you know at the time how severe it was, or did you think that I'm, no, I'm a young man, I'll be back? The thing is, looking back, looking back, I've done it when I was 21. Actually, the 1991. That's when I. But well, that's when I ruined my knee, and at the time, looking back, I'm surprised I didn't get injured even before that. I used to get kicked all over, all over the pitch. But I didn't even, I, I didn't even know that much about ligaments. I've never had a bad injury in, me, in, in, my, in my life. And uh, but after, when I, they took me off during the game, and I had to go to the hospital boot there, they said um, you'd have been better off breaking your leg. And that's when I thought, wondered how serious it really was. Obviously, thinking it was serious, but. Always had that outlook that I'd be back stronger anyway. It didn't really affect me that much because because I was still confident enough that I'd be able to play football, and I was positive. In contrast to the euphoria you felt when you joined the club, how could you put into words the heartbreak when your contract went out and you had to leave the club? Yeah, the, 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 the thing the thing is the, the thing is what happened to me. It wasn't just the heartbreak of leaving the club. It's that the, the biggest heartbreak was having to retire. Obviously, leaving Man course, United is yeah. a massive thing. But if you've got to leave, if you've got to leave Man United and retire, that's a double double that's a double whammy. And 
and um, makes it much, much harder. If you could try and resurrect your career elsewhere, it'd be a different story. But I, I've, I didn't, and that, like I say, that, that, that having to retire hurt me more than leaving United. That must have been a severe shock to the system. Oh, without that, I struggled for years. Like, I was working for my, my dad, mum and dad's family business. My dad's family business when I left school when I was 16, and they say life's a vicious circle. Nine years down the line, I was back doing what I was doing nine years ago. And when I left, I was in, in I, was, I was down. I didn't have no ambition in life, and I, I actually wondered, was it worth my time playing for United? Do you think clubs do enough to maintain the well-being no. of players who leave? <laughs> no, I don't want nothing. You're just, a, you're just a piece of me. You're just a number. I can vouch for that, the way what happened with me. When, when you're doing well in the first team, you're doing great, things are going well, everyone's tapping you on the back, oh, brilliant son, brilliant son. And as soon as you have a bad injury, you start going down the pecking order and like into obscurity. Just a number, really? Yeah, just a number, like I say. Look at football now. Now football's even worse with all the all the money. All the money's involved in now, but like it's it's not it's not a sport anymore. It's a business. And once once a lot of money gets involved in anything, it spoils everything. You openly discussed your battle with depression with Wayne Barton, and I listened to the podcast. Yeah. I thought it was very enjoyable. It was very sad at times. I have right. to say. Thanks, mate. Do you think sometimes we forget the impact of this business on the individual? The thing is, football's changed so much now. So I, I feel sorry for these six-year-old, eight-year-old lads who are at this pro club with thousands of other kids. And out of all the thousands, they just want to get one magical player. That's one magical player out of all, all these young kids. And then when they turn 16, sorry, we don't want you anymore. And then they stop playing football because they're that disillusioned with football themselves at 16. They're playing in these academies where... I've always, me and, me and Nobby Stiles always talk about it. We both disagreed with about these academies. Like every every game they play is like a trial game. It's, they're not playing with their friends. They're playing, and they're, 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 there's too much pressure at a young age. And I don't think it's good for the kids or football. Do you think for you the transition from playing to retirement would have been easier if you hadn't been so talented? Yeah, the thing is. I've been saying this for years now. It it'll make my life a hell of a, lot, a hell of a lot easier if I wouldn't if I wouldn't have got a knee injury and United would have said thank you very much, Jules. Not good enough. See you. Pat me on the back. See you later. At least then I could have got on with the rest of my life. The worst thing in, in the worst thing for people what have suffered what I've suffered is like you walk around with a with a question mark over your head for the rest of your night life, wondering, it's a big what if. Would I have got far? And if so, how far could I have got? And, that, and the, thing is, the thing is, Jimmy, the worst thing in life is when, when things go wrong for you, but you can look at things and work things out and, and correct them. But something like this, having to retire, you, can, you can't do anything about it. And that's what thrust, that's what, why it's so frustrating. You can't change it. You can't go back in the past. You can't change anything. And that was that's that's really hard to cope with. Obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a quote now. If that's okay, which I appreciate. It's probably difficult to hear, but Brian Robson compared you to Maradona. Oh, the thing is, just after a game, it, like after a game at the cliff, he, 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 he did say, he did say that that, that game there, he did say that was a mix between Maradona and Eusebio. That's what he did say. 
And like that, that's what I'm saying. Like when you have to retire, when you hear these things, like even um, Viv Anderson, he used to say, "Jules, you're you're like Houdini." I said, "What are you on about?" He goes, "Well, when you've got the ball, I can't see you." And then, because you've got so many defenders around you, but then you come out with the ball. But he, he called me Houdini a couple of times. And like I say, that's what made it so difficult. I've got loads of, loads of different other stories, what people have said things to me, Jimmy. But, yeah, it's, it is what it is, isn't it? Do you hold that with any admiration, or is that pushed back your mind? Are you bothered? Do you yeah, and that is, when I retired in 1994, even my friends used to say, even my friends used to say, whatever you do, don't talk to United about jobs. Like my mate, another friend of mine had an under-14 Colts team. He, he said, Jules, come and watch whatever you do. That. I swept everything under the carpet, everything. I didn't I didn't want anything to do with football. I swept everything under the carpet, so I pushed. I tried pushing it all at the back of my head. Like I said previously, I said, if I, if I, at the time, I used to think, if I had a, a, a Man United chip in my brain, I'd have pleasingly taken it out, so I'd have no recollection or memory of Man United. But obviously, that's... <laughs> That's a long time ago now. They say time to heal, and obviously it is. And now I can look back with some kind of, of being a bit proud, you know? How long was it before you started watching football again? About seven, eight years. Did you, did you feel an element of resentment towards United? Because obviously they had some success. United having the success? Did you resent their success? Well, in a way? Yeah, in a way. I was, I was, I was, really, really happy for the, I was really, really happy for the, for the players. The players that I knew there, yeah, without a doubt. But as a club, not really. But was there any part of you that thought, I should be part of this? <sighs> no, not, not even that, to be fair. I didn't, no, not, not even that. I was just disgusted with the way United treated me. Like that. I, I didn't actually think, oh, I should be part of this. I was just disgusted with the way, with the way things went went for me and the way I got treated but it does pain me it does because like what pains me is that a lot of United fans who do remember me which is minimal anyway I've always said 99.999% of Man United fans don't even haven't even heard of me let alone watch me play but the ones who do remember who do remember me the ones I do speak to they're really nice to me I've, I've got we have great chats and it does pain me that how much I did dislike United, but that's how it was. You touched on the way United treated you there. Can you shed any light on that for our readers who aren't familiar with your story? Well, the thing is, Jimmy, I could have you here all night, to be honest, but what, what, what I will say, I'll just, tell, I'll just say one story here where, for instance, I was, I was asking other players at the club, this was the... the, 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 this was the my last season at the club, I was asking players, has, has the boss had you in to um, see if you've got another contract? And, oh, no, yeah, yeah, he had, me in, he had me in three months ago. He said, listen, so I'm really sorry, not giving you another contract, but what we'll do, we'll put you in the shop window, play as many games as reserves, put you in the shop window, and we'll get, we'll get you the best possible club with me. I had to knock on his door. After I asked these, I had to knock on his door three weeks before the end of the season. And that's when he said to me that he won't give me another contract. And that's when I had to say to him, well, I, why didn't you have, have me? Why didn't you tell me like you told everyone else? And then he started blabbering a load, blabbering a load of things, saying, oh, your, your knee's not good enough. I said, well, do you mean my knee's not good enough? And then he got the other, then he got the other stuff, and I just looked at him, I said, oh, what, well, you got all these coming, coming here to try and push me in a corner. And 
not because I didn't help me at all. Like I, said, I was at the club six years, five and a half, six years, ruined my career, ruined my knee, and people may understand why I was so bitter when I left. We've talked about the difficult times. What would you say was your best time at the club? Well, obviously the best times when you're playing football, when you're playing for the third time, you start... I, I only started two games, you know, sub six, seven, whatever they were, whatever it was, because I don't even keep counting, like, I've, I've lost them. I've not, it, doesn't, it doesn't really... I can't look back at myself and say I had a great career. But obviously, the best time is being there for six weeks and playing, playing, playing for the first team after me just signing six weeks before and obviously the game against the game against Arsenal which was live on ITV at the time In terms of young footballers coming through now what advice would you give to them to deal with the pressure of the modern game? The thing, the thing is the thing is Jimmy there's so much money involved now you've got flipping people who ain't played you you've got kids like who are City of no doubt United as well who, who haven't played who haven't played a, a game for the first team they're on 20, 30, 45,000 pounds a week and, and that's not going to do them any good. So it doesn't matter what I say. What, what's the old cliche? Put your head down and try them 10% and enjoy yourself. But there's so much money involved that these kids are making it before even making it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, they're, they're millionaires before they even make the first team, nearly. Sorry? They're millionaires before they even make they the first team in some cases. Yeah, you, 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 you make a first team game for United or any of the big clubs, you... You may feel like when I was in the club, we were on two hundred pound a week. But maybe that's why we were grounded. When I went to United, there were some great players, and I mean great players. But they were all decent, humble, humble human beings. Not these prima donnas nowadays. The power of the modern player is astonishing, isn't it? I tell you that. Look, the thing is, Jimmy, I wasn't getting on well with Ferguson, but once I went, once on, I went on that. Pitch. There's one thing I didn't want to do, and that's make a fool out of myself. And people will look and watch me, thinking that I was useless. You go on that pitch for the team, the club, and for yourself. Not spit your dummies out like Arsenal do these days. That's why I can't. I can't respect the game. Look, it's hard. It's hard respecting a game I loved when I grew up and loved loved watching it. It's, the way it's transformed and gone, I, it's, I find it hard to um, to respect. In contrast. What advice would you give to those who don't quite make it? I just hope they don't go through what I went through. What, what advice is there? Get, what, what, while you're at the club, make sure you study, make sure you've got a plan B. Because I didn't have a plan B. Maybe you're so too stupid to have, not, to, not to have a plan B. But when things are going well, you don't think anything's going to go wrong. So maybe, maybe that looks... Maybe I'll say that to them. Well, I suppose as a young man, you don't look past the nose on your face. You don't. To, to be honest, there are some people who do think out of the box. I don't. I'd, I'd like. I bet the percentage is pretty low, but there are. Unfortunately, I was. Well, I did. I was one of them. Thank you, Jules. We'll leave it there if that's okay. Of course it is. I enjoyed that very much. Thanks very much. No problem, mate. What's sorry, Jim? What's this going on? It's going you, to be obviously your United supporter. This is going to be in red news. Red news, oh, you support United, do you? I do, yeah, as, as long as I can remember. <laughs> How old are you then? I'm 27. Oh, yeah, blood. I'm 50 this year, mate. So I was born 92. Just before Just you. before. 92. 
doing a bit of journalism, are you? I'm doing sports psychology in college, but I'm doing journalism on the side for a Man United website that I stood up in June. It's called Red Devil Talk. Good luck. Yeah, it's going great. Superb, mate. Yeah, no, well, listen. Listen, all the best with it all. You seem a nice, you seem a nice grounded lad. Thanks very much. I wish you all the best, Jimmy. Appreciate your time. You look after yourself, no problem. All the best. Have a good one, pal. Yeah, you too. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Gary Pallister calling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Cantona! I don't believe it! Well left by York, fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole from Dwight York. Fantastic!